Next up on 2NURFM, we're talking travel with Sally Lucas, our travel expert. And wow, we've got some good things in store for you. First of all, we're going to the UK and finding some things that are a little bit out of the norm, uh, interesting things to do and an important centenary to mark there as well. We're also going on some classic road trips in the USA and we'll have the hot deals in the travel marketplace at the moment. Sally Lucas here with us again today. And Sally, got some interesting things for us. Yes, it's all about us, Jane, women. (laughs) (laughs) Women. Women, we are the strength. Um, Yes, so it's 100 years since the British Parliament passed an act that gave the vote to women, Um, those over the age of 30 it was to start with anyway. So we've come a long way since then. And there is a Voice and Vote Women's Place in Parliament exhibition on in Westminster Hall, which runs until 6 October 2018, if you're going to the UK and thinking of visiting that. There's all sorts of other interesting tours you can do within the Parliament buildings of the UK, of London as well. So just keep that in mind. It sounds really fascinating if you want to go onto the website and have a look. There's quite a different number of interesting tours you can do. So then I thought we'd talk about who were some of these incredible women that made a difference, uh, probably not just in the UK, but to the world, really, when we think about it. And the first one was the ultimate female warrior, Boudica or Boadicea, as she was known. So she was a wild redhead, apparently, and uh, she revolted against the Romans on a visit to Colchester. And Colchester was the original capital of the Roman settlement. And uh, it was burnt to the ground by her Celtic revolt, so that's really interesting. And then she went on after that to burn down Londinium, which, of course, became London. So what a woman was she? Um, Mm. But... All sorts of interesting thing if you want to go to Colchester, which isn't that far from uh, London anyway. It's only about uh, less than an hour, I think. Um, you've got the, the Roman walls, which are still the oldest uh, example of Roman walls in, left in the UK. You've got the Colchester Castle Museum, which was built by the castle originally was built by William the Conqueror in 1076. Um, you've got also a lot of uh, many Roman and Celtic artefacts, which they call the Boudican Layer, which was about that time that she was there, all things from that era. The Roman Circus, which is the only known Roman chariot racing track in Great Britain as well, which runs a quarter of a mile, and it was only discovered in 2005. Mm. And it was built in the early century, uh, 2nd century AD. So all sorts of interesting things associated with that wonderful woman who was really quite amazing when you think about it back in those days. Bet she had the vote. (laughs) (laughs) I think she was the vote. (laughs) Um, they're moving on from her. And, of course, Colchester isn't a lovely part of England in the east, the county of Essex, with its close to the coast in East Anglia and borders with Suffolk. So, And it's, it's Britain's oldest recorded town as well, which is, as I said, just about a 50-minute train, uh, train ride from Liverpool Street Station, or it's close to Stratford as well if you're happening to want to go to Shakespeare and, and Hathaway and all that sort of oh, stuff yes. as well. Um, the next one is Queen Elizabeth I. Now, of course, she was quite famous in her own right as well. And she's, well, well, you can hear about her or learn about her at Hampton Court Palace, which is a royal palace in the borough of Richmond-upon-Temps, which is only about 19 kilometres southwest and upstream of central London on the River Thames. So you can go there, of course. You can, there's wonderful tours you can do all around that area. Um, you can do a tour from London or you can reach it again by train or bus and learn all about her and her amazing time in when she was reigning, of course. Um, and she was the daughter of King Henry VIII, as we know, and, of course, became a monarch 
much of her time was spent in Hampton Court Palace, which was built by Cardinal Thomas Wolseley. Um, and Henry VIII took the palace for himself, and by Elizabeth's reign, it was the centre of extravagant court life. And it's the only Tudor palace that stands today. So mm-hmm. they're very interesting. Another one, of course, Jane Austen. And there are a lot of Jane Austen aficionados out there, isn't there? Um, of course, her writing was uh, so f- uh, famous. And at Chorston, or Chorton, should I say, Chorton Village near Alton, she lived there for the last eight years of her life. And now that's become a museum now. And it's about an hour from London in Winchester, uh, surrounded by the Hampshire countryside on the edge of the South Downs. So it's a, only a short, again, distance out of London if you want to do it as a day trip. And you can learn all about her and her manuscripts and the novels and the still got the modest table that she wrote at, and they've got oh. a lovely, pretty little garden there as well, and a historical kitchen and bakehouse, which is open to the visitors also. Mm, getting close to Jane Austen. Yes. Uh, you've got um, Florence Nightingale. Oh, yes. Another wonderful woman, and certainly well-celebrated, uh, the world's most famous nurse, I guess, isn't she? So located on the banks of the River Thames opposite the Houses of Parliament, you've got a museum there that attracts visitors from all over the world who just want to learn more about the lady with the lamp and her Victorian world. But you can also examine her legacy there, her influence on new, uh, nursing today, and the continuing relevance, relevance sorry, of her work. And they also run there a busy learning program for schools and family activities, and they have lively events program with regular afternoon and event talks. Now to one of the even more famous ones that we mentioned, we didn't mention her, but we mentioned about the vote, of course, was Emmeline Pankhurst. And that's 100 years ago that women got the vote. Amazing, isn't it? As a result of Emily Pankhurst's campaign and her fellows, of course. Yes. What was the movie that was out recently? Not that long ago, wasn't it? About I can't think of the name. It was a great movie, though. I did see it. Um, So, yes, the birthplace of the suffragette movement, which is in Manchester, actually, is the Pankhurst Centre. And it houses a small museum and heritage centre that remains as a legacy to the Pankhurst family and the suffragette movement. And it also serves as a women's community centre. So it's a historically significant building. Of course it was the home of Emmeline and her family who led that suffragette campaign for votes for women and it's the place where the first meeting of the Women's Social and Political Union was held. And it's open to the general public on Thursdays and the second and fourth Sunday of each month and entry is free. And lastly, just there's many we could talk about, is Beatrix Potter. (laughs) Oh, yes. How could we forget Beatrix? Okay, so she she's up in that wonderful lakeside area of Britain in Cumbria, Cumbria, should I say, which is near Hawkshead. And she bought a, hill, a property there called Hilltop in 1905 with royalties from her first few books written at her parents' home in London. But she was inspired by the Lake District and so she bought this place as she did there and then ended up buying another farm opposite Hilltop called Castle Farm, which became her Lakeland base. And she, caught, of course, wrote many of her stories stories there is such as Tom Kitten, Samuel Whiskers and Jemima Puddleduck. <laughs> Um, You can probably see their descendants there too. Exactly. So she bought many pieces of land and property in and around Sorry, including the old post office, the castle cottage and a number of small farms. 1913, age 47, she married a man, William Healis, in London and moved to Lakeland, living at Castle Cottage. When she died in 1943, she left Hilltop to the National Trust with a proviso that it would be kept exactly as she left it, complete with her furniture and china. A beautiful place to visit in its own right, but even nicer if you pop in to see Hilltop top as well. So that's just some of the women who have helped change the world and of course there's been many more. 
We're talking travel on 2NURFM. Sally Lucas, time we went to the US. Haven't been there for ages, Jane, and I thought this was opportune because one of the world's iconic road trips has just reopened, which is Highway 1, the coastal drive between LA and San Francisco. So that famous road has been closed for more than 12 months now after a series of landslides in the Big Sur region which impacted the Pfeiffer Canyon Bridge, which is that main beautiful elevated bridge that you go over on that coastal drive and it's the only connection to the north so it's going to be once again possible after extensive maintenance to do this 1,000 kilometre of uninterrupted highway. It's a thousand k's that's a decent drive. It is isn't it yeah Yeah. and it's built as California's dream drive so you take in things like your majestic redwood forests stunning scenery needless to say it's interspersed with more than 20 wine regions as well as art galleries, hotels campgrounds, restaurants etc. So some of the evocative stops along the way include Malibu, of course, Santa Barbara, Pismo Beach, Monterey, Santa Cruz, and of course Big Sur, as we know. So the reopening of Highway 1, they're saying, will underpin a wider drive tourism strategy encouraging Australian visitors again to come over and take in less explored regions of California and really enjoy a very famous road trip. And that's just one of them too because you can do quite a few others. Um, Now that one, if you like, you could take a week to do that but you can obviously do it in the 1,000 kilometres in less. But it'd be nice if you wanted to stop and just do a leisurely trip because there is really, it's quite a spectacular coastline for you to go on. The other one is the classic Great Lakes. So you could start your journey in Milwaukee and Wisconsin and you can drive to the windy city, Chicago, from there, which is known for its world-class museums and public art. And there's a lovely little town on they're suggesting you go to called Grand Haven, where you can ride along the lake and do a fishing trip or have a beach day or whatever. Then you can head to Detroit and, of course, learn about the city that was once head of the uh, or the automotive centre of the world at one stage, wasn't it? Um, and then enjoy glimpses into, say, the Midwest small town life as you make your way into Columbus. And then it's a short drive then on to Cincinnati where they say, try and catch a Reds baseball game. <laughs> and they're the oldest professional team in the USA, really? the Reds. Yeah. Then you can finish your trip in Indianapolis and you can take a break from your car with a, a gondola ride along the city's central canal. Oh, that sounds fun. Which oh. would be fun. The other one you can do, which you don't hear talked about much, of course, is the Southern Atlantic coast Um, and you can begin your journey there at Virginia Beach on the edge of the Atlantic Ocean drive south to Kitty Hawk in North Carolina um, then go on to Charleston where you get that wonderful authentic southern buildings and southern charm that you're going to get where you wander cobblestone streets and take in that fabulous architecture and then you can head to Savannah in Georgia, in Georgia rather, which again is famous for its southern hospitality and rich history and then on to um, Jacksonville where you can go bi- uh, boating, biking or golfing and then also finish up down in Miami and Key West where you're getting a little touch of Florida as well. So they're all quite interesting drives that you can do in America and they're just a few of many. Of course, the old familiar one, of course, going across America, Route 66, is sort of, you you can do bits and pieces of that one now because they've built a new highway. So you've got to do some of the highway, then you can diverge off and still do Route 66, which of course goes from Chicago all the way across to the West Coast. And that's quite a long drive, that one, of course. You could take a few weeks to do that one. You could indeed. And it's time to look at the hot deals in the current travel marketplace, but you've got something else exciting that's just been announced this week. Certainly has, Jane, and I think we're all a little bit excited about this, that we're getting direct flights from Newcastle to New Zealand starting on the 22nd of November. And believe it or not, the first passengers from Auckland will arrive on that evening, 
just before the Newcastle 500 Supercars race weekend. That's very convenient, that isn't it? It is good timing. From the 23rd to the 25th. So there you go. Um, the airport estimates the new route will save Hunter passengers about 10 hours in travel time to Auckland compared with flying or driving to Sydney Airport. So that's something to consider as well. So thrice weekly to start with, and it's only going through till uh, February 17 at this stage to decide if they're going to be commercially viable. So go out there, Nervacastrians and Kiwis, if you're listening, and support this so that we we can both enjoy each other's destinations a lot more easily. Okay, hot deals. How about skiing in America? We've been talking about America today. Doesn't sound very hot. <laughs> no, it'll be a cold deal, but that's okay. It'll be hot in the evenings in front yeah, of the fire. In front of the fire, yeah. having your mulled wine or whatever it is you have, so that's fine. So Jackson Hole, it's considered the holy grail destination for skiers and snowboarders, they say, for good reason. Healthy mix of heart-thumping, vertical and mellow beginner runs. The ultimate mountain experience in a spectacular setting. because it's nestled in the heart of Wyoming amidst the jaw-dropping scenery of the Tetons and the charismatic town of Jackson Hole, they reckon its ski resort offers a winter destination like no other. So if you're a ski enthusiast, these little packages are available from, um, go through till February, from January to February next year. And a seven night package starts from under $1,700, which is seven nights deluxe accommodation, your transfers and a five day ski lift pass. Hmm. Um, on sale at the moment, we have not got all our early birds for next year yet. We're all waiting on the precipice. I've got so many people saying, when are the early birds coming up for Europe next year? They're only out most of them until the end of May. But if you are going in that period, there are some good deals available that Cafe Pacific have brought out to UK, Ireland and Europe. So just consider those. There's some really, really good deals. Um, you've got to be away. You can be away up to a maximum of six months. And this is from now through until the end of May next year. And they give you 30 kgs of baggage allowance. And there's some really great fares in there if you are travelling up until May next year. And the others from later than that well, will be out later. We're hoping very, very <laughs> soon. Well, I was hoping by this month they should have been out for at least June, but they're usually at least a month behind the date that they start for next year. So right. probably by the end of this month we might have the June deals and so on. Mm-hmm. Air Calan, that wonderful airline that flies us away to escape the winter chills to New Caledonia, they have brought out some amazing airfits. I just can't believe how cheap they are. Um, you've got a book by the 27th of July. You've got to travel between now and 31 March, so that's quite a long time that you're available to travel, except there will be a few blackout periods, probably around the school holiday dates mainly. Wait for this, Jane, $285 each way, inclusive of taxes, or under $300, under 300 anyway. It's close to that. It's various different prices from Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, etc., but it's around that, round that under the 300 mark. Wow, take a look each way and just put together some decent accommodation with that and you know you'd have a nice little holiday um there's also the south pacific if you're wanting to get away from the the winter chills there's a, a crusoe's retreat which is available on cook the cook the beautiful cook islands they've got a four-night package there with 40 percent off which is a saving of under just under 700 dollars including a cocktail a massage airfares and your four nights accommodation works out under a thousand dollars so that's really good value as well um evergreen they've got a wonderful offer on southern France river cruising if you're still thinking of river cruising for next year Um, and for July only they've not only got their early bird sale but this month only they're giving you around about an extra 500 per couple when you book a selected 2019 France river cruise 
So do that and you'll get yourself a real bargain where you, it starts with a seven-night um, or eight-day south of France river cruise which goes around the areas of Lyon, Avignon and that wonderful town of Arles as well which of course has got the wonderful Roman ruins and architecture there as well. So keep that in mind. That's great savings available just for this month only with Evergreen on their French river cruises. Um, we're not talking Master Chef at the moment, but Luke Nguyen, he's still a famous chef, isn't he? So you can go with him uh, with APT and eat and drink your way through Vietnam and Cambodia, if you like, and, and Myanmar. And he is doing a series of cruises where he will do some wonderful cooking classes with you and you go to some lovely restaurants as well once you're ashore. Um, there's 14 days doing the Vietnam and Mekong River. Uh, it's got a fly free with it. That's on the 30th of November. Closer to, to timing now is August, 26 August. That's the Grand Bordeaux. It's an 11-day one with a companion fly-free. And the Hidden Wonders of Myanmar, it's a 16-day cruise on the 2nd of October with also a fly-free. So there's great deals out there. And if anyone's still waiting for June onwards hot deals in the Europe early bird, I'm sure they're going to be out within the next couple of weeks. Excellent. We've been talking travel with Sally Lucas. Thank you. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.